Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message brought to you by Pastor Robin. See you at church. morning um, I'd like to bring you a message which um, I've preached from this scripture before but there's a different aspect of it that God's been talking to me about this week so if you have your Bibles with you I want to speak from Isaiah chapter 6 and if not it'll be on the screen Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 4 my title today is when things are rough see Jesus In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, declare in this house that your word is truth, your word is life. Your word is our handbook. It is our all in all. It is our map. It is our instruction. It is our correction. It is your love letter to us. It is your communication with us on so many levels, Lord. And Father, as I bring this word this morning, I pray that you will make my tongue as the pen of a skillful writer, that I would speak your words of truth and life. And Father, that only you would be seen through this, not me, not any philosophy, but just you. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome in this place this morning. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honour in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, guess what today is? 35 days today till Christmas. Who's overawed at that? (laughs) 35 days till Christmas. So who's finished their Christmas shopping? Who started it? Well done, so good. You can lay hands on me after. (laughs) Who's stressed? Who's feeling the pressure of the end of the year, building towards the end of the year? Who's tired? Um, Who's still got assignments that need to be done and and got in? And who's got, uh, you know, end of year things that need to be sorted out? Yeah, I'd say all of us, yeah. And at this time of the year, we're all really busy. You know, there's things we've got to do. Today, we've got our AGM for our members as well. And there's a lot of people going, uh, coming to the meeting. But there's a lot that are uh, committed elsewhere. And, and that's what happens at this time of the year. People get busy. People sometimes get sick as well. And um, 
we need to pray for those that are part of our body here in North who are sick as well. But, you know, coming towards Christmas, it's a time where you walk into the shops and you see the festivities, all the stuff is up and it's a celebration like no other time of the year. There's something incredibly special about Christmas. And leading into Christmas, those celebrations can be times of incredible joy. But, you know, for a lot of us, there's times of, of great sadness as well as we remember people that have gone before us our loved ones and family that can't be with us and and also as we look in our world and our community too we see we see the need we see those that are not yet believers and we know that without him they're not going to know the fullness of joy so so it's not only a time of celebration of Jesus but it's also a time where there is a lot of um a lot of angst we find depression we find people that are feeling hopeless about things and and often the question is asked what is it all about and I think at this time if we don't understand who God is and if we haven't begun a walk with God and if we don't understand the fullness of all God is or if we've walked away from him if we've turned our back on him it can be a really uh, negative time of the year And things can be incredibly overwhelming. And today, more than all else, I think we really need to have a fresh revelation of the nature of God in a greater way to understand who our God really is. And, you know, those of us who've been in the Lord a long time um, will understand that, yep, you you do this, you get the T-shirt, you buy the Bible, you have Jesus sticker in your car, you know, you do all of those things and what next? Well, you know, the things I've discovered as as we've walked with God these 30-odd years now, that there is no end in God. We never get to the end of God. There is always something new to learn. There is always something more to learn. There is always something more that he wants to do in us and wants to do through us. And as we let him, who is the master potter, and we who are the clay be moulded by him and be shaped by him, we become those vessels that are for his glory, that we shine Jesus in everything we do. But I want to come back into the text today and really look at, at this Isaiah 6 um, verse, the verses. So let's go back into it today. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting really excited with what God's shown me. <laughs> in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. Now that's supernatural, wouldn't you say? Absolutely supernatural. In the context of what we're looking at, the scripture, Isaiah, uh, the, the prophet, he wrote supposedly the first one, 1 to 39 books of Isaiah and after that there were various other prophets that are thought to have contributed to that. So I just want to set a background. He was the, um, the prophet who predicted the coming of Jesus, um, that Jesus would be the saviour of the world and it was 700 years before Jesus was actually born. Isaiah was born in Jerusalem and he was said to have found his calling as a prophet when he saw the vision that is described in the text I've just read, in the year of King Uzziah's death. 
Isaiah prophesied Jesus coming in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So who was King Uzziah of Judah? He came to power at the age of 16. Can you imagine it? Who's, who's 16 or nearly 16 in the house? <laughs> no. Could you imagine coming to power as a king or as a queen of Israel at the age of 16? And you know what? He reigned for 52 years and he was a really good king. Second uh, Kings 15.3 says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And, you know, he was a strategist, he was a builder, he was a planner, he was a great military man and he was very strong in what he did and how he led the kingdom at that time. But you know what, as good as he was, uh, his life ended tragically. And, you know, we could look at times in our life where you think, wow, you know, someone is doing so well and then tragedy can strike. And, you know, we are not immune to tragedy as believers and yet through all of those times, God works so powerfully. You see, Uzziah got leprosy and uh, he lived his latter days in total isolation because of the leprosy. Um, so as, as Isaiah says, to say in the year that King Uzziah died is to say it a lot. In that year, it's saying that in the year that King Uzziah died, a great and wise king died. It's also saying that in the year that he died, there was a tragic event and he died in a way that was not foreseen as, as a leader, as a, as a king in the land. And, you know, Isaiah had in great reason to be depressed and to be discouraged and I guess a little disillusioned at the death of King Uzziah and I think we can all relate to that. You know, we can, tragedy can strike and bad things can happen and we can have that tendency to default I call it in my life as a negative setting where I'm depressed I'm discouraged I'm disappointed and I have questions um, but that might just be me is that right so Isaiah wasn't in a good way and you know I can I can imagine Isaiah in this place thinking all the while where is God in all of this you know, everything was going great and this happened. And now God turns up in this scripture and he demonstrates his power and his awesomeness and his presence with Isaiah through this vision. And Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then there was the seraphim and then there was the holy, holy, holy and then there was the temple being shaken and then there was the smoke that filled the room. And he shows Isaiah through this, I'm here Isaiah or Isaiah as some might say. Isaiah, the king might not be on his throne but I'm on my throne. And in this passage of scripture, Whatever you're going through, we can see that no matter what it is, no matter what you've walked through, your circumstances may have caused you to doubt, to fear, to feel, to even question your very faith. And yet here is God saying, 
I'm here. God is with you no matter what you're going through. He shows Isaiah, I'm here. The king's not on his throne, but I'm on my throne. He shows his power and he shows his glory. And it's a demonstration in some small part of the awesomeness and the majesty of God. And he gives Isaiah a glimpse into the heavenly realm with the seraphim and with the wings. And, you know, could you just imagine, just close your eyes for one minute and see these angels that turn up with six wings and faces covered and feet covered and surrounding their body. I mean, that's just amazing. And those little angels are not the little cherubim that sit on the end of your Bible while you're reading it. You know, these seraphim were six, eight-foot, two-metre creatures, often bronzed, often dressed in incredibly flowing robes, white, shining, demonstrating the power of God, that they've been sent by God as messengers, as encouragement. But there are these seraphim that turn up in this room in this vision and the room fills with smoke and the posts start shaking And I think sometimes our world can feel like we have been shaken to our very core. And yet God is in the midst of it. God is in the midst of it saying, I'm here. I'm with you. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Showing that though our world can be shaken to the very core, God is still on the throne. And God and his power and his glory and his majesty is with us and wants to work in us and wants to work through us. You see, God is a God of incredible love and grace and mercy. And his power, his strength, he's all-knowing, he's ever-present, he's all-powerful, he's all-awesome and majestic and, you know, we can't have enough adjectives to describe this King of glory, this wonderful Father God, Abba Father, who created the world, who knit every one of us together in our mother's womb. He's just so amazing. And I don't think we will ever truly have a a complete understanding of who God is until we stand before him one day when our time is right. And then we'll know all things. And then, You know, when you think about that, you encourage yourself with those things. You can say, well, you know, no matter what I'm seeing, no matter what I'm hearing, no matter what I'm feeling, I'm still going to praise God because I know at the end of it all, God's going to be glorified. God wants to work in me. He wants to work through me. He wants to turn my weeping to joy. He wants to turn my sorrow into dancing. He wants to turn my negative into God-ative. He does not leave us in the state that he finds us in. He takes hold of us and he starts to build us from the inside out. So when we lose people, when we have circumstances, we might lose our job or our income has gone or our children are not walking right with God or our grandchildren or you're persecuted or you're feeling rejected like your world, your very world is shaken. God is showing through this passage of scripture that no no matter what is happening, no matter what has happened, he's still with us and he still wants to work in our lives. You see, sometimes we form our ideas about God according to how many bad things have happened in our lives. What happened to us as kids, what we went through as kids or what we went through as young adults or what we're going through now and it can affect our ideas. 
It can affect the way we see God. It can affect the way we see ourselves. And, we can, and also, it can adjust the way we see our world and others in our world. And God wants to bring those adjustments back into alignment with his word and his life and his love so that we don't box God, that we don't bring God, our high and lofty God, high and lifted up. We don't bring him down to a human standard so that our thoughts, our, our plans are transferred to who God is it needs to be the other way around that his plans are great for us his ways are higher than us and as we walk in him and walk in obedience to him he brings us into that full knowledge of what we need to do today we can have long-term plans and we can have plans for the future but unless we're walking in the power of God today and in his plan for us we're gonna you know it's not sustainable it is really not sustainable so when we bring God down to our own level even our prayers are adjusted too often we start by telling God what he needs to do God this is what I want you to do for me God this is how you should do it because we're not praying according to his word we're not we're not in alignment with God's perfect will. And so we're humanising our prayers to the extent that all of the flesh is coming out and none of the spirit. We can have this idea of God. We can, we can walk away from him. We can ignore him. We can reject him. We can have a wrong philosophy about him. We can, we can have a fear of him. Whereas the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's an awesome reverence for God that we need to walk in. Sometimes we only call on him when we're in trouble and all the rest of the time we walk around doing things in our own strength, being independent of him when God wants us to be dependent on him, not independent. We take on board the philosophy of the world that you can do what you like, when you like, to whom you like and as long as it hurts nobody else, you're okay. Well, do you know what? Everything we do affects somebody in our world. And so it's a case of bringing our thoughts into those alignment, those, into alignment with what God is saying and saying, well, Lord, I only want to do what, what you want me to do. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I just want to imitate Christ in my life. Because I know even then things are not going to go 100% right, but we know that when we're imitating Christ, when we're walking in him, we can leave the consequences to God, can't we? See, all those human characteristics that we carry, our personalities, when we start to apply them to God, they can amount to wrong belief and unbelief and rebellion and fear and rejection. And God has, has said, you know, he, he doesn't want us to ever walk knowing that he's not with us. He's, he is the God of love. He's the God of grace and he's a God of mercy. But by forming our opinion on God of God on our feelings and what's happened in our lives, we're saying we're building that wrong concept of who God is. You know, the great theologian pastor that lived, and he only died back in the 60s last year, A.W. Tozer, he said, this really struck me. The church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted it for one so low so ignoble 
as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshipping men and women. This she has done, not deliberately, but little by little and without knowledge, and her very unawareness only makes her situation all the more, more tragic. And then he goes on later in this book to say that a low view of God or a wrong view or a wrong concept of God is the underlying cause of so many of our problems and of the world today because we don't see God the way he really is. We can lose our sense of God's reality and majesty and when we do that, because of what's happened in our life, then multiple problems can arise as a result of it. And so it's always keeping close to God, no matter what's happening in your life. Let your first word in the morning be Jesus. Let your last word at night before you go to sleep be Jesus. Commit your day to him. Thank him for your day at the end of the day. Get in his word. Listen to his word. Read his word. Hear that preached word. There is no substitute for the word of God. And the word of God will refine and define the image of Christ in you. And, and that way you'll reflect who God really is in your life and none of us is perfect we're all at a place where we are growing and learning we are in we're works in progress and I say it probably every week we are works in progress and that's okay as long as we're continuing to allow God to work in us and through us amen you see if we lose that sense of God's majesty we lose the understanding of the significance of worship, what we just did here today. The awesomeness to truly worship God. And we need to see that we're worshipping someone. We're not bowing down to a rock star. We're worshipping a God who has made everything in our world. We're worshipping a God who holds the universe in his hand. We're worshipping a God who has created God and he spoke the word and it became. He spoke a word into our lives and it became. He spoke and it was. He calls those things that are not as if they are. He says that nothing is impossible with him. And when we get that understanding... And truly lift up Jesus in our midst. You know, we lift him up in our midst and then everything falls into alignment of who he is. And then we can really truly rely on the God that made the universe and is so intimately concerned with every detail of our life that we can trust him with every fibre of our being, that we can trust him with our circumstances, that we can trust him no matter what we're going through. So when we really understand who God is and that is a present tense ongoing every day, Lord, show me more of you, show me more of you because I want to worship you for the God that you are, not the God that humanity has placed a box around, the God that is a able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we think or ask. That God is the one we need to have fresh revelation of so that no matter what is happening in your life, you can lift him up and say, I know whom I have believed. I believe he can do exceedingly abundantly above all I think or ask because my God is a good God. And as I lay my burdens at his feet, as you lay your burdens at his feet, you can trust in the one who has given you life. Amen. Amen. See, nations are being shaken 
Things are happening. Floods are rising. There's famines. There's floods. There's bushfires. There's all sorts of things going on. Luke 21 says, Nation will rise against nation. See, this is predicting the coming of Jesus. And we know that he's coming. We don't know when, but we know that there's an escalation of time. We know that the waters are rising here at Murray Bridge. And as it is in the natural, let it be in the spirit. Let it be that way. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great... Great signs for heaven, for from heaven. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. And verse 28, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh, because our Redeemer lives. We have a Saviour who's paid the price for us. He's come for us. He's died for us. He's been resurrected from the dead. And we know that he lives and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he makes intercession for us. And because of that, we can live. We can live in the life and the joy and the victory that is ours as heirs of the kingdom in him. Amen. He's awesome. And we can say then... As Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. We can say personally, in the year that all my hopes, all our hopes, expectations came crashing down, I saw the Lord In the year that has just been, when some have been at their lowest, they saw the Lord high and lifted up. In the year or the decade or the 20 years that has been like all but rubbish, all but dung, can we say we saw the Lord? Can we bring all of those things into the now and say, Lord, all of this stuff has happened But I see you. I see you through it all. I see what you're doing through it all. In the year that has been. I see Isaiah was grieved. (laughs) And he was mortified by what had happened. Because sometimes the things that happen, you cannot logic away. You know, some days it's like, and then that happened just me (laughs) but God when we bring those thoughts into captivity when we bring those thoughts into obedience to Christ when we submit ourselves to God and say Lord I don't understand but I trust you I know you I know that all things work for good for those who love God for the called according to his purpose we can faithfully and continually and incessantly say God is good and his plan is good and he's going to work it all out. Amen? In the year that was, in the year where everything came crashing down, 
I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe, the train that's his presence, filling your temple, filling that place where you are. In the year that was, we can truly say, in the last three years, we can truly say, through all that we go through, we see the Lord high and lifted up. And he's building, he's working incredible things. We can say that at a time where you couldn't perhaps get any lower, more depressed or desperate, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. God is good. God is good. You know, 30 years ago, I was at a place where I'd been diagnosed with kidney disease. I had three little children, five and three and one. I was told that my best hope was that I would maintain kidney disease at the level it was at. But basically I was going to lose my kidneys and I would die early. And I was depressed. I was really... It's not worth living. I was at a place where I was so deceived by the enemy that I felt that my family, my husband, would be better off without me. That my children would be better off without me. And I was at a very low place. So I planned my suicide. And you know, at that time, I really felt that uh, the world would be a better place without me in it. And I know that there are people here today and listening online that have had that feeling. To be given a medical diagnosis and then the physical sickness wasn't really the issue for me, it was my mind. In the year that I received a diagnosis and felt like I was no good to anyone, in the year that I felt there was no future for me, in the year I felt that I would be better off dead and my family would be better off without me, in the year that I had no hope and no life, in the year where I was at a place of desperation, I called out to God. And in the year that I called out to God, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And I said... God, if you're real and if you're there, take my life. I'm no good to my kids. I'm no good to my husband. But if you can do something with me, here I am. 
And God found me and he filled my room with his presence and he shook the posts in my house and the smoke, that sense of God's incredible presence in that time. You see, when we get to a place where we are so desperate and we have got no hope and feeling like there's not a thing more we can do, that we feel so worthless when you call out to God, when you call out to God, you can see the Lord high and lifted up in your midst. And he comes and he touches your life and he fills you with his presence. And he said to me, do you want this? I had this vision. I had a vision. I went to sleep that night. I stockpiled all my pills because I was on all this stuff because <laughs> I was so sick. I'd stockpiled all my pills and I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to take all my pills. And then when they wake up in the morning, they won't have to worry about me anymore. But something held me back. And when I went to sleep that night, the God of the universe, God who created each and every one of us, he woke me. And I woke up in my house at Winky <laughs> in the Riverland. And there was this light streaming through the roof. And the light hit my head and flooded my very being, flooded my soul. And God healed me of my depression in that instant. And I have never had depression to that extent or even the minuscule amount since that day when God touched me, when God got hold of me. He said, your life will never be the same. Do you want this? You see, God gives us those choices. He doesn't make us do the things that... You know, we're not robots, we're not automatons. He gives us a choice and we can choose to reach out to him and we can choose to say, Lord, not my will but yours. I'm nothing without you, God. If you can do something with me and I'm not special, there's nothing special about me. I'm a sinner saved by grace, by the love of God. It's only him. And in that day and in that night, God just filled me with his presence. And I got up in the morning and started singing. I saw all my pills. <laughs> and Vic said, what the heck's happened to you? That's not the word he used, by the way. <laughs> it was amazing. Just amazing. And like I say, there's nothing special about me. We're all created in God. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So what he's done for me, I give him all the praise for. But he's done it for you too. And you've all got a story and you've all got testimonies of how he's got hold of your life. And if he hasn't got hold of your life yet, I'm going to pray at the end of this, this message and give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus because that's what it's all about. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Amazing. Amazing. Again, in the year that my husband died, I saw the Lord. 
You see, God is our anchor. And our lives have got to be anchored on something bigger than ourselves. Our lives have got to be anchored in Christ Jesus. You see, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, it's a picture of Christ high and lifted up. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that's what he does. That's what he did. That's what he's doing. That's what he will do. We lift Jesus in our lives. We make him our saviour and Lord. And he will draw all unto himself. He's amazing. He is amazing. If we don't have the anchor in our life, it's Christ. We're like that ship that is floundering, getting tossed around, thrown every which way. And yet when we anchor ourselves, we, 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 we sang it, Elaine, at the hub on Friday. Go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone the builders rejected. I go to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. When all around is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Amen. I'm not going to sing it because you'd hate it. (laughs) But he is our rock. So when those things are happening in your life, hold fast to God. Amen. Amen. You see, it's a brokenness that God loves brokenness. A sweet and contrite spirit. (laughs) Isaiah 57 says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. At our lowest, we have a saviour. At our best, we have our saviour. At our mediocrity, we have a saviour. God doesn't leave us where he finds us. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting, eternal life in him. Amen. Now there is salvation in no other name but Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only ever Jesus, the Saviour who died for us. When we see the Lord high and lifted up, we understand what he's done for us. And I'm going to finish on that. You see, in the year that King Uzziah died, when you see the Lord high and lifted up, you can move forward. You can stay at that place and grieve. You can stay at that place and sometimes we lick our wounds. Sometimes we suck our thumb and rock in a corner. Just me? But we don't stay there. We see the Lord high and lifted up. And we know we've got a hope. We know we've got a future. We know he has a plan for us. And as we come to Jesus, for those of us that don't know him, it's as simple as saying, Lord Jesus, 
I ask you to take my life. Forgive me my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. I want to see you high in my life so that I can glorify you in everything I do. Knowing that this temporal life we have is leading to eternity. And as we give our lives to Jesus, or for some of us who have walked away and are not where God wants us to be, Lord, I'm coming back. Lord, I'm coming to you. Lord, I'm coming back. Fill me. Use me. For your glory. Amen. See, it doesn't matter where you are. You know, if you look at your life as a book, there are chapters, there are pages, there are paragraphs, and your book of your life is in the hands of God and he's not done with you yet. The page is about to turn to start that new chapter for you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today that, Lord, that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we've gone through, Father God, Lord, you are with us. Lord, as we walk in you, we thank you, Father, for the power of your spirit to help us to do the things that we need to do. Father, as we give our lives to you afresh today, for those of us who've walked away, Father, we come back to you now and we just ask you, Lord God, to forgive us our sins, to repent. We repent of the things that, Lord, we've done that are grievous to you, Father. And we pray, Father, that, Lord, as we ask forgiveness, we turn away from those things that are keeping us away from you. And Lord God, we just say, receive us now that we can see you high and lifted up in our lives. And Lord, that you will empower us to do only what you want us to do. For those of us that don't yet know Jesus, we ask you, Lord God, forgive me my sins. I turn away from my sins. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be the same of my life. I say that you died for me, Lord Jesus, that no one else could take your place and no one else could pay the price for my sin but you. I thank you today that you have done that for me. I give my life to you today and I ask you, Lord God, to take hold of my life and make me what your plan is for me, that I would walk in you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, please get in touch with us and we would love to help you. We would love to resource you with a Bible and some teaching. But Lord God, I pray for those of us in the house today, Father God, that have been in a place where they have not seen you high and lifted up for some time. Father, that we would lift you high. I pray for every heart in this place just to open now to the power of your spirit, that we would see that vision of you that in our time of grief or loss or rejection or whatever we've gone through, Father, that as we lay it down at the foot of the cross, I thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, our loss and our grief is nothing compared to what you went through when you gave your only son for us. But, God, you care about every detail of our lives. And Father, I pray that by your spirit you would minister to each and every one going through that now.
And Lord, bring healing where healing is needed. Bring hope where hope is needed. Bring life where there are death situations, Father. We thank you that you are the God of resurrection life. And God, I pray for those that are in the house and online today that they would receive from you exactly what you want them to have today, Lord that they can lay down those things that are hindering them to run with endurance the race that's set before them, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Father, we commit these things into your hands. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus, Saviour, Lord. We worship you. Lord, we truly want to see you as you are, not who we think you are. We lift you high in our midst and give you praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.